Hello and welcome to another edition of Flo's First and Favourite. I'm David. And I'm Blair. And on this week's show, we have Anagram. Thanks for being on the show. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me along. It's no problem at all. It's great to have you. And how how have things been? How have you been coping with lockdown, etc.? Uh, isolation is is my jam. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, okay, I've been I, <laughs> I've been uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's really hard to answer that without going into Sounding a deep like depression. A no, I'm joking. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, no, hopefully on this show, we'll be here to pick you up. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, just, I'm just joking with you. I've actually, I've been enjoying the lockdown life, catching up on a lot of Netflix and eating a lot of takeaway. Support your local business, everybody. Exactly. Yeah, it's, exactly. Very, it's very important. And support all business, I guess. And exactly. Any little thing out there. Um. So... Let's go right back to the start because when clubs used to be open, what I want to know is what was what was your first club experience? Okay, so when I was very underage, my um, sister would take me out clubbing on a Thursday night. I, I used to go into school the next day, and it was a over it was an over eighteens night at a place in Portsmouth, but. I don't really, I, I don't really qualify that as proper clubbing, but that <laughs> right. was that was when I first went into a club, if you like, a nightclub. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine it was just awful music and um, yeah, not not really a proper clubbing experience. So I would say that my actual proper experience of a rave or raving and and that in that sense would have been going to a club night called Slinky which was in Bournemouth on the South Coast. And Slinky was basically the South Coast version of Gatecrasher. It was a big super club. And I was a cyber kid, so I would dress up in um, cyber dog clothing. Are you familiar with cyber dog clothing? <laughs> not of you? not quite. Too young? No. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I forgot you're just uh, wee bands. Um, is it is it basically like sort of lots of fluorescent stuff and yes. fluorescent sort of yeah there's the, there's basically yeah. not not to plug it but there's like a Camden Market shop um That's it, that effectively dog, yeah, yeah it, it sells that sort of stuff it's very fluorescent uh neo mm-hmm. stuff if neon you go even into, if you go into that shop it plays kind of 150 bpm um psytrance all day every day so i don't know how the people in there cope with that but they must like it but yeah yeah it was it was that kind of it was very fluorescent lots of glow sticks you know i would dance all night long with glow sticks so much that my hands would be cramped into the glow stick position so that was my position the rock and roll position yeah (laughs) so that was my first foray into club proper clubbing i would say and that was kind of Late late nineties that I started going there, right? Wow. And okay, so you were you were based down south. Well, you were from down south. Yes, sorry, I'm from um, I'm from down south. Yeah, as you can from... tell by my dulcet tones. <laughs> so, um, did that form a lot of your music taste of what was kind of popular around about then, round and down there? Yeah, so I'm th- I think really it was trance that was being played and trance was what I was into in that club. But I say it was just trance. It was, it was music like clubs like that were different back then. It was Mm -hmm. back in the day. I don't want to sound like I'm a back in the day all the time, but it was better. I'm just saying, (laughs) no, it was, (laughs) it was a mix. You'd have trance, drum and bass, jungle, uh, techno, all and house all in the, 
in the one club night, you'd have all different DJs playing different genres of music. Um, but trance was predominantly what I was into, and that was the place to go. My other options in Portsmouth were not great clubbing-wise. There were no big kind of trancey clubs that I liked going to there. So I, we'd go further afield to Bournemouth where this big proper nightclub was, and it was just great, great fun. And did Bournemouth at that time sort of have a bit of a underground music scene sort of thing coming up? There were quite a few. Uh, there were quite a few different club nights in Bournemouth. My friend used to actually run a, a hard house night in Bournemouth that was really popular. I'm going to name drop people that you probably won't. Have, you might have heard of Fergie. Do you remember Fergie? He no. <laughs> <Two blanks there. laughs> so Fergie was. Fergie was a big DJ in the kind of late 90s, early noughties to mid noughties. He used to have a Radio 1 show and stuff like that. Um, and he he kind of got his first some of his first gigs at, at my friend's club night. It was called Cheeky Little Monkeys. Um, it was just purely hard house. So yeah, Bournemouth did have Bournemouth did have quite a good scene. Slinkies wasn't really underground because it was quite a big, it was kind of commercial, a bit like gate, like I said, a bit like gate yeah. crasher, you know? It was, so it was, um, Portsmouth started getting a bit better. Portsmouth is where I'm from, <laughs> sorry. So Portsmouth started getting a bit better with emerging nights kind of later on in the, in the early noughties. But for a while it was definitely, Bournemouth was the best place to go. And Brighton as well. Brighton was always really, really good for clubbing too. So how far would you have to travel to go to Bournemouth or Brighton for a night out? I don't know the geography down oh, there at all. Yeah, no, so 45 minutes to an hour. So someone was always designated driver. You know, it was it was that kind of deal. There was no staying over anywhere. You just got in the car, yeah. went out clubbing, drove back home. Um, so yeah, it was it was always a good a good wee adventure going out and we used to go out on a Friday it was always on a Friday night so you just had the weekend to recover basically <laughs> it's a good tactic though because often or not it takes a couple of days to recover so at least you have Saturday and Sunday to or carry on of... partying depending <laughs> yeah, on yeah. which way inclined you are not that I'm condoning <laughs> that kind of three-day bender vibe but we've all been there <laughs> we have <laughs> We have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, so when that kind of first clubbing experience was that did that draw you into DJing at that point or was it a, a while after? Yeah, so I think around around that time that I started going late nineties ninety eight ninety nine was when I definitely realised that I wanted to start learning how to DJ and be a DJ. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was definitely in those fo- the, my formative years of, of clubbing that, that that's when I decided that's what I wanted to do, and I and did it. You, <laughs> and would you say, <laughs> and would you say that your um, sort of music taste came from a combination of kind of what was going on locally and sort of your family that and and friendship group was that kind of what informed that decision? It's funny. It's funny you say about friends and family because none of my none of my school pals or the pals that I was at college with were really into the same music as me. Um, my family definitely weren't either. You know, the, me and my sister used to go out clubbing to a real cheesy kind of a crappy local nightclub that played just chart music, you know. Um, so that's the kind of music that my sister was into. Not that she, will, she won't mind me saying that she's got not great music tastes. So. <laughs> <laughs> um but so yeah I I would I would go to the clubs with maybe one pal or something like that and then I just made a lot of friends through going to Slinky and after parties and seeing the same people and you know that's how I that's how I built up a a friend group like that of of ravers basically which I'm in you know I'm friends with a lot of them still so Ray for awesome. life. Ray for life. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Um, so what then would be, if that was like your first foray into club culture, what would essentially be your favorite club experience? Asking me my favorite of anything is never a good idea because <laughs> I, you know, 
My, well, that's I'm, that's I'm the whole show. <laughs> I know. Right? First and favorite. <laughs> you, you, pick, you pick the wrong guess. <laughs> Basically, I'm so indecisive. Also, you know, my, my mind changes quite a lot as well. Yeah. So, well, right uh, now. I, I think, okay, if it was under pain of death or something like that, and I really had to pick one special clubbing experience it would be in 2012 myself my wife Louisa and some good friends went to Berlin I surprised Louisa for her 30th birthday with a a trip uh, sort of an extended long weekend in Berlin and we went to Berghain the Berghain and it was panorama bar that was more my sort of music that I was into. Berghain's more techno, whereas Panorama Bar is, you know, house, disco, electric, all sorts of stuff up there. Anything really goes up there. Yeah. Um, and it was just really special because already it's like clubbing Mecca if you're if if you're into that kind of thing. It gets a lot of it gets a lot of people that are quite snooty about Panorama Bar and stuff that they think it's just a a bit of overly hyped but once you've got past the doorman if you're lucky enough to do so and you're in there (laughs) the the atmosphere is just nothing i've ever experienced in a club anywhere it's it's like adult disneyland you know it's anything goes and it goes you know (laughs) all all night long so um i just remember this one moment where We'd been in the club. I think we'd been out clubbing for about 12 hours at this point. Um, And it was the afternoon on the Sunday. And I was back away from the dance floor chatting to my friend. And I heard the opening bars of one of my favorite uh, dance tracks. And I just grabbed him and then grabbed all the girls from the bar. And we just went down the front, right in front of the DJ booth. (laughs) And they have these amazing shutters in the the in panorama bar and they keep the shutters shut um to keep the light out basically because they want to keep it dark and yeah. and uh you know that kind of sinister vibe and and then every so often when a when an absolute tune comes on they open the shutters in the daytime and just this light came pouring in and uh we were just all like hugging and crying and totes the most because this favorite song of ours was on and it was it was really amazing it's something that i'll always remember so yeah, no, that's that's probably my favourite clubbing experience. But I've got many others as well that I'm not going to talk about. <laughs> and and what was the key to getting in? Because I've heard it's <laughs> notoriously <laughs> difficult for any sort of like non-German to get in. <laughs> a few a few winks and nudges that, and the right clothes. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I mean, everyone says wear black, um, and a lot of people, a lot of people go in in black clothes and then get changed. They take bags and and uh, check a bag into the cloakroom, so they get changed into uh, colourful outfits. But I'd say there's two tips I would say for getting in, or maybe more than two. Try and get on the guest list if you know someone that's playing, which is pretty much a, a shoe in yeah um if that's not possible pick the time of day to go that isn't the busiest so you wouldn't go as soon as it opens i would yeah. i would tend to go kind of after 6 7 a.m on the sunday morning and then you can go in and spend the whole you can spend another 24 hours in there if you want to but kind of it's i mean it's open till crazy o'clock on a monday afternoon sometimes so um yeah do that or what else was i gonna say you just don't be obnoxious in the queue as well people are very quiet and it's the quietest (laughs) club queue you've ever seen in your life everyone's really well behaved because they want to get in so badly so yeah and don't be a dick like the bouncers can have got good um I've got good twat detectors, I'd say. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, awesome. So, so how long did you say you were in there for? Was it o- over twelve hours? Did you say, or did you go, yeah. uh, did you go in and <laughs> yeah, out I a think, couple of times? Well, we didn't. We didn't go out the first. I've been there again. I've been in there since that time. I was in there last year, actually. Um, the first time we went in, we didn't 
go out and go back in again. We'd already been clubbing. That was it. We'd gone to Watergate. We'd been to Watergate until six in the morning. And then try, we were like, we're never going to get in Bergheim. Let's just try it. And we yeah. wandered over there and we got in. I think we were in Bergheim for 12 hours. So I think all in all, we'd got, we did like 18 hours club in or something. <laughs> Incredible. I, when I, when I went last October, I counted the, the steps that I'd done the next day because I'm obsessed with my step count, you know. And yeah. um, it was something like 35 miles or something I'd done <laughs> in the course <laughs> of a night. <laughs> Just <laughs> <was> stomping <clears throat> constantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a shift, that's for sure. Oh, it's aye. a shift. And it, the good thing is you can go out and come back in again. So you can go and sit down and oh, have a shower or whatever you need to do wash the grime off you that you've got from being in there (laughs) (laughs) no it's just great to hear because it's it's always been a mystery to me i've always Uh read kind of myths about berkine and yeah that well you know and we must go at some point (laughs) just it has to be seen to be believed you can't really do it justice talking about it but You'll see sites that you never thought you'd see. Um, some good, some not so good. <laughs> but it's just, it's just so, it's just incredible. It's, it's such a good uh, vibe in there, and everyone's just elated to be in there because when you're in, you're in, you know. Mm. Um, unless it, it's you, just, it, it's just reassuring, Anna, though, that a laser hasn't now come out of your laptop and just zapped you. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about the mystery of Bergheim. <laughs> Yeah. I think is it. I think the only thing you've got to worry about okay. is if you take is if you take photos or videos in there. Like if the, if you're seen yeah. filming in there, then you're out. Yeah, and it's that out. is good because it 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 keeps it mis- a mystery. So, but it's definitely worth a visit once in your lifetime. Mm. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I'm quite um, I'm, I'm I'm happy with that answer, right? But I'm I'm also kind of yeah. want to talk about uh, you have been to Burning Man a couple times as well. Yes, um, I have been to Burning Man a couple does of that, times. Does that feature quite highly in clubbing experience stuff, or do you not count that as clubbing experience because it's more of a <laughs> festival? Is that splitting hairs, or is that? Oh no! I mean, I was trying to I was trying to be well behaved and give you one answer, but like I said, it's really it's really hard to to pick favorite moments. But yeah, Burning Man is insane. You know that. But there was a because you were there for so many days. There's lots of different. That's the thing. There's there's times that I've been clubbing and just had all these little moments that I can remember and the culmination of things. But Burning Man was amazing. The first year that we went was in 2011, and just the first night when you're riding your bike out into the the dark. It's called the they call it the player, which is mm-hmm. basically the desert, and you're riding out and. You're just hit. You're just hit from all angles with just craziness, you know. And you're trying not to lose your friends in the dark. So everyone's got a distinctive bell on their bike, or they think they've got a distinctive <laughs> bell because everyone's got a honking horn. You know, yeah. follow the sound of my bell, and 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 you're you're <laughs> desperate not to lose your pals because if you get lost, you don't. It's so big, you don't know where anyone is, and if you're lost, you're you're kind of screwed a little bit. Um, but yeah, there's you, you get to see you get to see a lot of big DJs for basically no money. Well, you've paid money to go to the festival, but yeah. you get to see people that you may not normally get to see or the, the vastness of the, of the types of DJs and the music that's there is incredible. I think like another, another festival that I'll always remember though, is we went to, we went to one in Bulgaria called Meadows in the Mountains. And it is like it, it says it's a festival up a mountain and just the when the sun rose in the morning and you're above the clouds it was absolutely insane so that sounds spectacular that's something i'll always remember as well the music that was being played it was moomin that was doing the the sunrise set and he put on one of my it's like a really uplifting happy house tracks um and it was just awesome and on this sort of track or record thing, what, what was the first record that you bought? So the actual literal first record that I purchased when I was about six years old was the theme 
the theme song to a cartoon called Dog Tanyon and the Three Musker Hounds, Amazing. which I still have on vinyl. <laughs> Bang, oh my god! <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Hashtag <better>. power DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I used to play it. I used to play it in sets for a laugh. I, I don't um, doubt that. <laughs> the actual, the actual first bit of vinyl that I bought you know remember we were talking earlier about my first clubbing experience and going to Slinky and that's when I wanted to get into DJing there was one track that made me want to be a DJ and it was uh, Push Strange World which is an amazing trance track you'd know it if you you heard it Um, so yeah that was that was probably my first proper bit of vinyl that I brought that wasn't a cartoon theme tune Mm. I'd say (laughs) <laughs> so then i take it you bought that on vinyl did you then go straight into buying decks or was it just trying to play it on whatever was in the house and figuring that out or how, how did how did djing come about so i actually bought started buying vinyl before i ever had decks um in the right. hope that i'd make friends with someone that had decks and would let me go on them so plan. i had i probably had yeah i know <laughs> I probably had maybe 20 or so re- records by by the time that's not that many in the grand scheme of things mm. but when you haven't actually got decks um by the time I found a friend that did have decks I had established quite a good wee collection for myself so and that was like 2001 I think that I and um that I started playing practicing on my friend's decks and then in the same year I bought my own ones as well I think that's one of the nice things about DJing. It seems like a real sort of community vibe. And, and even if you're not kind of in the position to own your own decks, there's yeah. always someone out there that's willing to kind of open up and give you that opportunity, um, yeah, which I, I think is a lovely thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was great, it's great as well, because if you, if you are in a position to share your equipment, you can also share your knowledge as well. You know, my friend, it was my friend Ben, um, his decks that I used to practice on and I used to nick his records to play <laughs> practice with as well so I had quite the mixture of styles to to learn to play on he was really into drum and bass and jungle and hardcore and I was into trance and breaks so I learned to play all sorts um, at the start which was great I imagine that totally honed the craft though because like there's nothing you can if you know the music that you like and you can play that that's one thing but then to then take something especially like drum and bass and stuff that's you know quite different tempo wise and feel wise to actually then learn to mix that as well and then even I imagine cross is probably the best way to learn oh definitely i mean yeah. yeah i think so if you can if you can play across genres then you've nailed it basically i think that's why i always um I did wedding DJing for a bit and I always think that that really took my DJing up to another notch, you know, because I was playing all sorts for hours at weddings um, and always tried to mix things in properly because it was a bit more interesting for me to to do stuff like that than just to fade in, fade out. So you're just teaching yourself ways of ways of uh keeping the flow going you know to use do, your name do, 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 do. It's Francis Day the- <laughs> <laughs> just crashing records like every like absolute crowd pleasers all the time <laughs> <laughs> and then in and out wheel up <laughs> no rewinds i didn't i don't think i was into the rewinds <laughs> what would you then say would be the favorite record that you've bought Oh God, no! I can't. I can't answer that. I actually can't answer that. Okay, what I'm going to do? A, in... Give us a top three or something, then. What? I... Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to break. I'm going to break the rules slightly. I'm going to talk about favorites now at the moment. Okay. So yeah. in, That's in fine. the la- favorites that I've ha- yeah, because I can't. I can't. It's just actually impossible. It depends what mood I'm in, you know. It depends what jumper I'm wearing. It depends what day of the week <laughs> it is. It could be. It could. I mean, okay. Oh, if I had to. Oh no, I can't. Don't make me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I hope you know. Pressure. 
I was it's say, too much pressure. Well, do you want to? Okay, so favorite favorites of the last five years. Oh, Blair, for God's sake! <laughs> okay, it's supposed to say favorite uh, something at some point. I'm I'm doing favorites now, right? Because I can't pick. I'll, I'll try and I'll try and chuck in a couple of of tunes that I couldn't live without. Okay. Um, but I'm, now now my now my head's gone blank because. It's too much pressure. <laughs> um, it's a timestamp. It doesn't doesn't have to live forever. It's just where you are right now. So where I am right now, two there's two tracks that I would say have been my lockdown faves. Um, one is called Jeanette by Kelly Lee Owens, and it's just a beautiful beautiful bit of electronic music it's really uplifting and quite emotional and yeah it's it's beautiful I really like that a lot and the other one is quite a recent one actually and it's You Can Stay Forever by Daniel Bortz um I like Daniel Bortz's stuff and he it's a little bit different to stuff that he normally produces I would say Mm -hmm. um but it's really kind of old school it's got like old school hardcore vocals in it and it's but it's a really uplifting track again i'm all about the the uplifting stuff so especially at the moment like you need mm-hmm. your mood pepped up or something chuck one of those on so yeah they're 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 the ones that have been doing it for me recently um but yeah it's it's impossible for me to do an <laughs> ultimate favorite or even a top 5 i could do a top 50 but that would be a bit too long and it would take up the whole the whole hour so <laughs> you can i'll tell you what you can just send us a list you can send us a list and we'll, <laughs> if you want, we'll post if you really, it on if you we'll really post it on one. socials when when this episode comes out in that week it'll be the scroll across for anna's 50 favorite <laughs> tunes <laughs> 50 favorite tunes yeah do you, i mean do you want to know what my most played song on spotify normally is oh yeah because go ahead, if that? you want to if you want to know that for for two years in a row, the Rain and Champ was the initial talk remix of New Rules by Dua Lipa. Because oh, it's so you, good. You've played me that. It's, it's, it's such, really good. It's such a bad... It's so bloody good. It's a good pulp record. It's, uh, I, the, I don't like the original, but the remix is just... It's just everything you want. It's like 80s synthy. It's just really, really good. It's really well done, but... Um, the other one I was going to say about is the one that I was talking about my favorite clubbing moment and being in Panorama mm. Bar and the song that came on. That was a, a song called OAR003-B by Oni Ayin. It's really a mouthful <laughs> to say. It's not, it's oh not catchy at all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll post a link below. <laughs> it's not a url like, <laughs> you know what i mean that's what it sounds like recently. <laughs> it does sound like that time pete tom um, read out the radio one art url uh 95 or whatever it was and he was like <laughs> http colon forward slash forward slash bbc.co.uk forward that. slash <laughs> When the internet was new and he didn't realise yeah. that you're not supposed to say and, that a bit. And the yeah, best no. bit as well was he was like, this might sound like a load of rubbish, but the people out there who know will know. And you're like, hey, <laughs> all right, <laughs> Pete. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You keep telling uh, yourself that, love. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and look where we are now. Shout out Pete Tong, though. Yeah. Pete Tong. Cheers, Pete. <laughs> um, so how did you... So you, you had these, you had your 20 records, you were borrowing Ben's, using Ben's equipment. When did the first gig come after all that? The first gig, I'm, qual- I'm qualifying a gig as um, when more than just like two people that were sat in the same room as me <laughs> were listening to what I was playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, 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 the first gig where people were dancing and there was a sizable amount of people was it's just so random um I used to work at an agricultural college I was a horse riding instructor and for my students end of year party we had a rave in the car park of the equine center um and had the deck set up and my speakers and just 
they were dancing on hay bales. It was, I, I mean, my mixing was bloody awful. It was not good, but they just, it, it was very exciting. So that was, that was my first kind of, I would say gig where there was more than three people there. Um, actual in a pub slash bar slash club um, would have been, I used to play at a funky house night on a Monday night in Portsmouth at a bar. Um, so I sold my soul a little bit and had quite an extensive funky house <laughs> final selection. So come on, make a move on me, all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, so yeah, that was that's my CD past. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's had a commercial <laughs> club slot at some point. Oh, it's a rite of passage, surely. And, and I know another very, very difficult question, but what was your f- most favourite gig that you've played to date? <laughs> <laughs> Again, the, the, the impossible question. There are every single gig, bar maybe a small ha- number that I could count on one hand that I have not enjoyed at all. I've always loved an aspect of the gigs I'm playing because it's a priv- it's a privilege to get to play music to people you know if you're if you're lucky enough to get to the level where you're being booked is is just incredible and getting paid for it wow even better so there there's there's so many time like so many gigs that have just been absolutely phenomenal because of what's happened this year in in terms of you know covid and not no clubs open etc i would yeah. have to say like the, the the last gig the last proper gig that i not the last gig sorry because i played one in march but shoot, the shoot your shot gang went through to aberdeen and we played at the tunnels yeah. it was just shoot your shot all night long it was just myself bonsai bonner and miss cosmics the three of the residents of shoot your shot and it was a sold out night and it was absolutely like off the charts, insanely good. You know, people would, you're allowed to dance on people's shoulders in Aberdeen. So I don't know how they get away with that. Uh, it was a bit of a health hazard because at the end, you know, by the end of the night, there was just, all you could see was just like people on other people's shoulders, like flaying their arms. And it was just really, a really good gig to kind of have as our, my, our, my last one for a while, I would say. Hmm. um so yeah that was that's something i'm holding on to for a little bit yeah and tunnels for people that don't know is just this amazing little venue in aberdeen and it kind of is super rectangular quite a long room it's in an arch it's like a viaduct yeah yeah and 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 it just has this energy in it like mm-hmm. it, like you could have like some sort of like little punk band or you could have like a dj or djs and and the the energy in that room is just incredible. Yeah, it was really awesome. Everyone was really up for it all night long. You know, as soon as people, what I love is when, as soon as people arrive, they're just straight on the dance floor. So right from the get go, as soon as the doors open, you know, you had people flooding in and it was just banging the whole night. It was really, really good. Yeah. I've got like, I grew up playing in bands in tunnels and then moved to DJing in tunnels um, only a few times because mm-hmm. it was mostly a gig venue. Um, it seems to yeah. be since a lot of the snafu and some of the other, you know, kind of usual clubs that would play proper dance music. I say proper, but you know, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Not commercial music, basically. A lot of those clubs. Non commercial, yeah. Yeah, kind of closed. So Tunnels just took on this mantle because all these promoters needed somewhere to go. And Tunnels, most of the bands would be done by half past 10, 11 o'clock. So it just sort of made sense. And they had two of them. And the, the, good thing about the main room is that when you come in there's the bar right there but you just go down mm-hmm. these steps and onto the dance floor and there's nothing else yeah. there is nothing yeah. else like there's just there's a no, toilet nowhere there's nowhere to hide yeah so it's <laughs> y- y- people and you just everything goes towards that middle so it's like the dj and the yeah. bar are at the same level and then just mm-hmm. kind of on a sub level is dance floor and it does just kind of create this it's almost like a hive of energy it's awesome so uh, rep in my hometown. Yeah, it was really there. good. I'm glad. I'm glad. It was a it was a night called All Night Passion that we we played for. They just they got us to do the whole night, but it was it, All Night Passion has been around for quite a while, I think. In there, yeah. so it was just yeah. good to it was good to have a little road trip. 
with the gang and just have a, a really fun party. Little did we know then what we know now. Yeah, I know. Um, but you've played near everywhere I can think of in <laughs> Glasgow. <laughs> well, <laughs> in Glasgow, I mean, yeah. Yeah, um, let's, you know, let's, let's be honest. Right, in the last sort of, what, four years, five years, uh, between Shoot Your Shot um, and Laser Quest coming about, um, things have just sort of skyrocketed in bookings and stuff for you. Yeah, it's been really, it's been really exciting. Um, you know, it was really gutting this year because we were booked to play in Paris and Paris, mm. it would have been our first European gig. Um, and there were probably some others in the pipeline as well. We were supposed to play our first festival as Leather Quest um, at Calvin Garden Party. So it was a great I mean, festival. Yeah, hopefully that goes ahead next year, fingers crossed, and we'll definitely be playing next year there. But yeah, it was it was this this was the year, this was gonna be our year, you know, yeah. like for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just it is what it is. We've we've managed to we've managed to still keep on going with with live streams and uh recording sets for people and doing stuff like this. So we've still you know, we're still out there doing things, but just not out, out there doing things, you know. <laughs> yeah. and have, have you found that nice balance? Because I know that dance music in particular is um, adapted particularly well, I would say, um, you know, in terms of like live streaming and stuff like that online. Have you have you found that quite a natural transition or? I don't love the live streaming, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I kind of, it's, it's quite a disconnect, I think. We did quite a fun one for Pride, a shoot your shot Pride, um, and I got to record my set in the Poetry Club in, in SWG3. So that was good because it was actually in a club and it felt a bit more exciting than being yeah. in my lounge at home and looking at a looking at a laptop <laughs> screen. I also feel as well that at the start of at the start of lockdown, people were really into looking at watching the live streams because they were like it was quite a novelty. But I feel like there's been a bit of content overload in the past wee while. People are kind of, because there's, there's so much choice and they're just maybe not as into it because it just doesn't feel the same and it's a bit, I don't know, we, we, we'll still do them, but it just felt like there was a bit of a lag. And actually, I stopped recording sets for people as much. People were asking me to do mixes and I kind of had to take a bit of a step back. I recorded more mixes this year than I have in probably the past five years. So... Wow. I just I just I just focused on I actually started making my own music because that was a good outlet for me with the help of young Blair giving me lots of pointers and assistance. So yeah, that's been really fun as well, just starting to focus on that side of things a bit more in the absence of being able to actually DJ in clubs and stuff. And are you finding that quite a therapeutic outlet? As someone who's yeah, quite new I, to I producing? Really like it. Mm-hmm. I was always quite intimidated by it before, but I, I was not well. I actually got I got the Rona in July, and I was really unwell. I didn't I didn't have energy to do anything really, and I just would sit and mess around on Ableton, and I, would, I could kill a whole day, you know, uh, not, mm. not not without even realizing it. And I just really I just really got into it, and it has been a really good outlet. You know, it's been really exciting to to actually be excited about making music you know yeah and i guess that's one of the nice things about like software's like ableton you can actually as long as you've got a half decent laptop and a bit of a midi keyboard or even if you don't you can you know quite feasibly um do some nice production and mixing over headphones um Mm -hmm. on an affordable budget yeah so i've still got the free trial because they they um at the start of lockdown, um, Ableton did it, so it was 150 days or something. Which is awesome. Or 160, I can't remember how long it was, so I've still got about 40 days left before I actually have to buy. <laughs> so I'm like trying to make as many tunes as possible <laughs> before I have to buy it. Banger um, after banger. <laughs> banger. <laughs> yeah, and, and when I first started, like you said, I, all I had was my headphones and I was using the, the my MacBook keyboard to, to make the sounds and stuff, but then Blair kindly loaned me a wee akai midi keyboard like a fisher price my first keyboard kind of thing which has been super handy 
I was gathering so, dust, dust right here in front of me. Yeah. So uh, you're more than welcome to it. I've been uh, arpeggiating the shit out of everything. So <laughs> no, and it, and it's quite and and for anyone else that's looking to get into production, I think that it's th- this is a really positive time um, and a, and a good time to get into it because there's like loads of YouTube tutorials out there, and um, you know, and again, part of the dance music community is about kind of helping others and stuff like that and making other people kind of feel comfortable in the industry i would say yeah it's definitely a good time yeah i think i think what's uh i've always found and um and that's that's where i'm quite keen to always make time to give back to people is uh i've always looked to either bigger producers or people i sort of know or have met who also make music to to kind of bounce ideas backwards and forwards or share tunes sometimes and, and get an understanding of like where they're at and what they might suggest um and you don't always have to take it on board that's the other thing i think a lot of people will go oh this person said this oh well, that means i have to do it and it's not that's not the case um mm-hmm. so you know there it, are no rules there are no rules <laughs> um uh so what how would you describe the music that you're making is it like what you'd play in your sets? Funnily enough, it started off with me making quite a lot of down-tempo stuff because that's what I'd been listening to in lockdown. Right. And I, I always listen to down-tempo stuff anyway. If I'm out walking or something like that, I like to to listen to stuff that's not pure banging all of the time. Um, and then I've started making more clubby club orientated things but making the down tempo music was really nice because you know it felt like if I was going to release anything at the moment what's the point in releasing clubby bangers if no one but then people people are still doing it and I really appreciate that people are still making that kind of music because I'm still playing I'm still buying it and I'm still playing it if I do a radio show or if I do a live stream so there is still a need for it um but the down tempo stuff was was definitely my first kind of foray into it i've just i'm in the middle of making a more ravey one as well because why not why not absolutely you know and and i was just listening to the radio the other day and they were just saying um how much good music's come out of lockdown um people Mm -hmm. just being super productive getting their heads down getting amazing music out there and then obviously because there's been no summer really this summer like if if there is to be a summer next year, there's going to be like two years worth of yeah. new tunes in America, yeah, comments, is. which is going to be a, a DJ's like dream, basically. Yeah, totally for sure. You're going to be spoiled for choice. I know that's that's that is the challenge, isn't it? Is this going to uh, be those tunes that you may have almost forgotten about um, when it comes back to like making up? Mm-hmm you know, essentially your records for whatever set you're going to. And I imagine that hopefully all of us are going to be spoilt for choice, as you say. What track, if we're going to DJing and talking about tunes that you're going to have ready for when everything comes back, Mm -hmm. first tune to go to floor filling or just people banging on the roof in sub club? So... Again, I can't pick a favorite one. I've got a for, I've got a formula. <laughs> right, of things go for it. I would always when if I'm if I'm wanting to, you know, get things going a little bit, I'd always take it up a notch. Something with a I don't know with like a bit of more of a banging bassline or um, something uplifting. To, maybe something that people recognise as well. You know, that's always quite good for getting people going. Last year, my go-to track that i would play for for that kind of thing was a a track by cormac called perfect time it's the the eagles and butterflies remix of it it's just a really good synthy it's kind of a i call it a sleazy chugger but um (laughs) it's it's uh it's just got it's just it's just got all the elements that or always think of it as a 
my pill's about to kick in, Gene. (laughs) 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 So, you know, for being a raver and not that I'm condoning that kind of behavior, but you know the tune that I'm talking about, the one that comes on just as things are kind of getting a bit tingly and you're like, woohoo, here we go. That's the kind of, that's the kind of, the kind of tune that um, perfect time is. It's just really, it's really synthy. It's got a really, it's got uplifting parts in it. It's got a good vocal in it. And yeah, vocal's always a good choice as well. Mm. Uh, people love a vocal. So um, that's, yeah, that, again, I can't pick a favourite one, though, because it's just impossible. Each set, each set's different, you know. There's, not, there's yeah. not normally one that I would play all of the time, but Perfect Time I did play quite a lot last year, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on to a very difficult question yet again. What is your go-to favourite end-of-night track? Right, okay. <laughs> again, um, I don't ever really play the same one uh, twice. Or if I do, I, I would I would spread it out over a few gigs. I don't want to be like a, a one-trick yeah. pony kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. Again, I always feel like the last track of a night needs to be something recognisable um, and something uplifting because I feel like it's good to go out on a high. So what favourites that I've played would be Like a Prayer by Madonna, which is just guaranteed wow. to nice. make everyone go mental. Or Small Town Boy by Bronski B is another really amazing closer as well. But like I said, it's not. I wouldn't play those every gig. They're quite special tunes, so mm. it would really depend on. It really depends on the the night and the the vibe, I guess. Can I just say while we're talking about sort of favorite or floor filling kind of tunes, I remember yeah. being side of booth. I want to say, I want to say last year. It could have been the year before that. Um, you were playing Subby, and I think it was. I think it was a Laser Quest gig. And it might mm-hmm. have actually been the night you were putting on, and you started started gently mixing in Armand van Helden. I want your soul, and yes. I was. I remember going, "Oh my god, it's Armand! It's I want your soul." I was like looking yeah. around, and I was just like, and I, <laughs> I think it was because I love that song so much, right? Yeah. Um, and then when you cut it out for the the place just erupted like it yeah. was unreal and i i honestly i haven't seen scenes in sub club like that in a long time like it was for me that was a that was a special moment one because i was so proud of you and two yeah. uh because i mean it was just unreal like i just i had i literally was like i was standing side of booth being like supportive friend and then i heard that come on and i was like Oh my <laughs> swimmed my way right into the center of the dance floor and was there banging on the roof with everyone else so um that was yeah. uh that was we were warming up for the blessed madonna that's uh, right yeah last november um that uh, that is one of that's a that's one of my favorite tunes you know like yeah. if i had to pick that's a that's a dance floor destroyer and uh if all else fails tune you know that no one is not going to dance to that tune but it's just that was the energy at that gig was incredible because mm. it was a sold out it was sold out and when this when you've got a sold out subby and it was towards the end of the set as well our yeah. set our warm-up set so um it was rammed in there and it, yeah i've got a video on my phone i was watching it the other day actually of, yeah. of that me playing that tune kind of the bit where it does the first drop and comes back in again and just yeah. everyone going absolutely mental and it it does give me goosebumps actually that was that was an amazing gig that was such a good fun gig do you ever find though even though you're very established as a dj do you ever get the jitters in your stomach you know before going on uh, you know depending on the crowd size and such like every single time and it doesn't matter the size of the gig. I could be DJing at a pal's party for like ten people or something, and I no, maybe not. Maybe not at like a a friend's party, but um, every single gig that I play, like a proper gig, I am a bundle of nerves beforehand. I've I've never. It's never going to not be something that makes me quite anxious. <laughs> as soon as as soon as I've played the first couple of tunes, I'm usually all right. 
Um, but it's, it's always that kind of fear thing, like how's it going to go? Are people going to like what I'm playing? Is the equipment going to be good? What's the sound system like? You know, so that 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 can make or break my night, the sound system in a club. Yeah. If it's decent, then here we go. It's going to be awesome. If it is, if you've got crap monitors, um, it's quite a chore sometimes because you end up having to like mix in your headphones, which I don't really like doing. And also if I'm playing on an Allen and Heath mixer, which I hate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get to the stage. Alan and Heath, <laughs> just in case you sponsor us <laughs> in the future though. <laughs> if it, if, I, I want to get to the point in, in my DJ career where I have a rider, yeah. um, more, more so than what booze do you want to drink? Like, what, equipment do you, what equipment do you want? And I'm you like, to- never an Alan and Heath. You need to move up to a tech rider. That's what you're saying. I want a tech rider. <laughs> Flame cannons. Yeah. <laughs> T-shirt cannon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like Steve Aoki or something like that. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, a lot of cake. <laughs> I'd like a three-tiered wedding cake. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. I'll pull you back when it comes to, I need a trampoline. I need a trampoline. I'll be like, no, not yeah. happening. Yeah. <laughs> no, Anna, just, no. Just to get that extra height in your bones. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm quite short, so I usually yeah, need something yeah, yeah. to stand on behind the deck. I feel so. your pain, sister. <laughs> you hear me <laughs> so we kind of touched on um that gig was uh was laser quest warming up for blessed madonna so how did yeah. laser quest first come about laser quest came about um well so obviously uh, bonsai bonner is the creator of shoot your shot and um i started playing for shoot your shot kind of 2016 and got brought on as a resident uh, towards the end of that year um but i think it was 2016 as well that i was uh, i was booked to play at a pride party in the flying duck and it was going to be just me all night for about six hours and i kind of i kind of didn't really fancy doing it all on my own and it was a paid gig and i i just said to suzanne do you want to you know do you want to play back to back and we'll split the money and might be quite a good laugh to to do a wee back to back session because we'd not done that before at shoot your shot um so she came along and yeah we just played all night and it was just really good fun and it was it was kind of an accidental thing really and then we came up the name with the name came about maybe a little while after we we played back to back again we sort of thought the name up and it just we started doing it at shoot your shot as leather quest and then it just it just kind of really took off people really were into it i think it was just because we, our sets were quite fun and mm-hmm. a bit different maybe than what what else was going on in glasgow so Plus we're plus we're just absolute babes as well. So. <laughs> Stage eye nice candy and good shoes. I know. Tick tick. Power DJs. Power, Power DJs. DJs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too many glow sticks, man. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> so yeah, it was that. That's how it started. So yeah, we've been we've been doing it for about four years on on and off. Um, and it, in the last couple of years, it's just really taken off. So mm. it's good fun. I think you're, you you touched on it there a bit in that there is there is definitely an element of fun in it, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people appreciate um, just just because it's a bit tongue in cheek at times. Um, yeah, you, you can be listening to, and it's the same. Like that was the thing that astounded me with when I've never actually stood in or properly listened to a blessed Madonna gig or set until that mm-hmm. night and. I was like, oh, I don't. I wasn't even really drinking. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna go home for midnight or whatever, and you know. And then I was like, oh, I'll just go at one. And then it was, no, I'll just go at two. And then it was, yeah. oh no, wait, I, oh, okay, I'll just. And I just drawn in by the fact that there was just it was just a journey of stuff going absolutely everywhere. And I think with mm-hmm. with you guys as well, it's incredibly like unpredictable in that you can be listening to mm-hmm. techno and then all of a sudden here's ABBA. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. Yeah. And it's it's amazing. Like it's so good mm-hmm. to listen to and it keeps you interested. So Yeah. I think that's definitely the big selling point. I think that's where a lot of the draw comes from. 
I can, I'm sure Suzanne won't mind me saying this. I'm sorry, Bonsai Bono won't mind me saying this, but she's the same as me. I think we've got ADHD. <laughs> sure, ADHD Js. Um, so I get really fed up with the same thing being played all night long. Like I, yeah. I, I want to, I want to keep myself entertained. You know, and yeah. again, it comes, it comes from that whole wedding DJing thing. Just mm-hmm. being able to play all sorts and 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 being delighted when you discover oh my god this disco track goes really amazing with this techno track and uh this 80s pop tune goes amazing with this house tune you know and and just finding all these like new ways of playing these different types of songs is is always really exciting and yeah that bless madonna is definitely you know got her a game in that respect she's she just plays just everything you're like wow <laughs> i didn't expect that i didn't <laughs> like you saying it's the unpredictability of it and i think yeah that, that's i've always i've i've kind of i kind of evolved into that myself after like the, the wedding djing and stuff um and then just try to incorporate it in shoot your shot sets as well that's why that's why shoot your shot such a fun party to play at because you can literally play you know anything and people unless it's an absolute stinker of a tune, people are going <laughs> to have good reactions to it, you know? So yeah, it's just fun. It keeps it interesting. So what's your favorite part uh, playing with, as Leisure Quest or, you know, just generally back to back with people? So with Leisure Quest, I'd say really, I really like the, like, again, the variety of music. Myself and Suzanne are, our taste in music, we're kind of yin and yang in the way that she well, she likes the kind of tougher techno sound and a, a bit more electro, whereas I like the more kind of proggy, trancey, uplifting stuff. And then we meet in the middle with mm-hmm. the Italo and the the synth wavy stuff we like, um, and things like that. So, yeah, the 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 the, the thing about Leather Quest is is that it's just I get to hear new stuff, she gets to hear new stuff, and we get like delighted by tunes that each other are playing and also it's just nice having a bit of company sometimes when you're DJing can get quite lonely you know we hadn't got to the point where we were traveling up and down the country a whole lot but when you're going to a new club new people it's nice to have a pal with you as well because it can it can get quite lonely you know Mm. um but when I'm when I'm DJing on my own, I think that I just like the fact that I have kind of contributed. No, I, I know that I've contributed into giving someone a really good fun night and get a bit of happiness for a few hours. That's a really good buzz for me because, you know, people need like going to a club is, a, is an escape. Um, and it's somewhere you can just not think about shit that's going on on the planet for a a few hours you can meet your pals and have a good dance so like i was saying earlier it's a privilege to be able to play music to people and see them enjoying it and give you the reactions that they give you i haven't had anything thrown at me yet so i think people like it overall (laughs) (laughs) that's the barometer (laughs) (laughs) but um, i've had bras thrown at me no (laughs) (laughs) there will be now there will be now (laughs) skiddy underpants that's that's the wrong side of the barometer (laughs) that's the wrong kind of underwear that is tom jones at tea in the park that that was my experience (laughs) I'm not sure if it's the bras or the skiddy underwear you're talking about with Tom No, Jones. no, it was the latter, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> was it was only done? Uh, no, 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 it was, it was day one um, and, and day Tom, one. Jo- <laughs> Tom Jones was up and there was no one else on. So I thought, I'll, I'll go and check out this legend. And I was down the front having a lovely time. And then, and then all of a sudden I got this tap on the shoulder and obviously there's a tradition of People throwing their underwear towards Tom. Yeah. Um, yeah, and 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 these pair of soiled boxers. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <my God. laughs> 
<laughs> came my way, um, <laughs> which, which, which sat, <laughs> took me a while to recognise. Oh, wow. <laughs> what was the tap on your shoulder? Was that hitting you? No, no, that was wasn't that the pants. That, that, that was someone's hand. Yeah, that was. The, <laughs> it was someone like, excuse me, mate. You've I was got to get my attention. Skinny pants. <laughs> you've got skinny boxes stuck to your back. <laughs> my, 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 Delilah. <laughs> I just love I love the image of someone tapping you on the shoulder to be like, excuse me, do you mind if I just yeah, just I'm just gonna throw these? (laughs) Or worse yet, pants for me, you're closer. (laughs) (laughs) You look like you've got a good throwing arm. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's amazing. Oh god. Um cool. I I, I don't know where you go from there. (laughs) That's the end of podcast, surely. That's incredible. (laughs) Hashtag uh, power DJ. What a finisher. Hashtag power DJ. Um, Do you, is there anything, (laughs) is there anything coming up uh, that you want to plug at all? Uh, Go and check out my SoundCloud and listen to my mixes if you want to hear what I'm about. Well, listen, Anna, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for giving up your time to come and chat to us. It's been super fun, and I feel like my life has been enhanced with the image of you with <laughs> shitty pants. Throwing <laughs> 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 at you. Uh, Tom Jones. watching Tom Jones. At the end. Tom Jones, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh. Yeah, thank you. That was really fun, guys. Thanks for tuning in once again and keep your eyes peeled for another episode of Flow's First and Favourite. Please follow us on social media at We Are Flow's, SoundCloud, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, a lot. Bye! Bye!